Hey, listeners, what you're about to hear is a conversation with a very old friend of mine, comedian and filmmaker, Joe Wilson. I've known Joe for so long. I probably have known him for 25 or 26 years. We came up together in the open mic stand-up comedy world. We would see each other on a weekly basis at all of these little rinky-dink shows <laughs> alongside Zach Galifianakis and Maria Bamford and Martha Kelly, all sorts of comedians that you know and love. And Joe was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and given 15 months to live. That was 18 months ago. I was so devastated to learn that he was going through this. And I reached out to him to see if he would be interested to come on the show and share his story and connect. I know that when I was going through hard times in my life, it was nice to be able to share what I was going through, share my story, connect with friends, strangers. And I just thought I would see if that was of interest to Joe. And I caught up with him over Zoom from where he's living in Albany, New York, with his wife, Kathy, and their cat, Mike. Having this time with Joe was just very, very meaningful. It was great to see him. It was nice to hear what he had to say. It was also nice to have laughs with him. He's such a great guy, and I hope that you get something from hearing this conversation. So Joe has had this saying, which is, quote-unquote, we are all famous to a few people. Joe, no question that you're famous to me, and now you'll be famous to the Don't Ask Tig listeners as well. Oh, and one more thing. At some point, you may hear a short change in Joe's audio quality. It's very brief, so thanks for bearing with us. Now, on with the show. If I ever start doing stand-up again, record an album, 2,000 hours of chemo, that <laughs> probably won't be the title, but it could be. It'll be in the running. I'll say yeah. that. Or it could be the name of your tour. <laughs> yes, right. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. Wondering if my advice-giving alter ego should be named Tip Notaro. Joining me today is an award-winning filmmaker, comedian, coffee enthusiast, and fellow lover of felines. He created the online series Play Shorts and Vampire Mob and once made international news selling a jar of celebrity air. My old pal, Joe Wilson, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Thank you for having me on, Tig. Nice to be on. And nice to see you. It has been uh, a couple of minutes. Yeah, it's been a beat. It's really great to see you, and I appreciate you taking the time to be here. I'm on chemo right now, so I'm multitasking. So I'm actually, I'm actually <laughs> I'm plugged That's... in, so you, you are listening to a human being on chemo right now. Wow. I have never 
had somebody multitask with chemo before. <laughs> um, and uh, I would never have known, I'll be honest. Had no clue that you were plugged into your chemo machine. My chemo um, to go. Chemo to go. Yeah, I got home from the hospital like three hours ago. Okay, so we'll just go right there and say, you know, you're on quite the personal journey, to say the very least. And before we get into that, yeah. how are you feeling today right now? Fantastic. Feel great. It's ridiculous. How good you feel? Yeah, yeah. It's horrible, but I feel I feel better than well, definitely after I started feeling bad and they diagnosed it, but just life in general and my attitude, I enjoy life a lot more since I got cancer. Way more. You were diagnosed, is it 18 months ago? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to walk us through anything you care to share? Oh, yeah. A uh, lot of fun. I had this sort of slow motion version of your tragedy plus time equals comedy. I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, it spread to my liver and lungs, and was given 15 months. I'm now at 18 months. Ha ha. <sighs> um, I'm married to an incredible person who was also a cancer survivor. She had breast cancer in 2016 and beat it, and I got to be her caretaker, and then I got it, and she got the stiff end of the deal because this thing's like, just goes on and on. Like, hers was just like... Let's get some surgery, have some little chemo, and we're out. Back to work. Yeah. And, you know, it's great that she beat it, and I was like her caretaker, and we were together every second. But yeah, when I got this, I was working as a clerk at a butcher shop a mile away, which is why I took the job. And I was walking to work and just threw up for no reason. And so I started, you know, went right to the diet, like no coffee, no alcohol, you know, no meat, and I was just losing weight like crazy. And then the pain started, and then it got to the point where, like, I got to see a doctor. And I couldn't get an appointment for, like, three months. So Whoa. it got to the point where it was, like, bad. So I went to one of the dock-in-the-box places, and they got me referred to uh, some other dude. And that guy was the one who found the cancer. Mm -hmm. So I uh, found out over the phone. He said, uh, we got the results. They are not very good. <laughs> then I started chemo a little while later. I got a port, mm -hmm. which was fun. I'm doing definitely the uh, comedy armor thing. And it's got to be helping because I'm still alive. But when I got the port, I asked the surgeon, can I drink port through my port? And she said, <laughs> you technically could, but I wouldn't recommend it. How do you describe how you're feeling now compared to first getting that diagnosis because, I mean, you can make all the jokes that you want, but it can't be where you maybe find yourself now. No, it was, I've never been more depressed than when I got to Albany because it was recognizing like my best days were behind me. And then this was like, all right, you know, I have to have a few more good days because I need some. Mm-hmm juice in the engine be able to deal with this and kathy's an amazing human and i yeah will be leaving her behind yeah and that's um that's the hard part um so i'm very good at compartmentalizing um that is a fantastic superpower to have yeah you know initially it was a lot way more crying than now like, I had to tell my mother probably seven times before it took. 
And she asked if she could go first. And I'm like, I'll do what I can, but it might not work out that way. I mean, you know, I could die during this podcast, just, you know, like that. Just walking around with that sort of ticking time bomb kind of thing. Like after a while, it gets kind of exhausting. The red wire, the blue wire, like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. care. I'm just going to rip all the wires out. And and then it was just kind of like, I just wanted to beat the thousands of dollars of medical school that were like against me with their knowledge and their tests. And their. I was just like, I went to art school. I'm going to beat you yeah. for so much less money. <laughs> so yeah, once I got past 15, I'm just like, wow. So I'm like at 18 now. And I don't know, I'm just like drawing a lot. I'm making some art. I made some art of my nephew Rory outside. We made a, we were all famous to a few people like Mural. Mm-hmm. It was something I wrote in like 1989 and it's sort of like taken on a life of its own. Yeah. And yeah, I made a giant stencil and uh, we painted it. And so it was like right out my window and and the next one is Six Foot Mike. We're going we're gonna to do a, a six foot painting of Mike like with stencils. Your cat. Your Wait, cat. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. This yeah. Is my cat. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I forget. Because I want to take a selfie with Mike, you know, when he's around my height. Yeah, I'm having a lot more fun. And everybody online and social media, you know, it really is like a place for me to go. Mm-hmm. It's like a neighborhood of really nice people and supportive people. Because I can't work. I can't feel my hands and feet for the most part. I walk with a cane. Mm-hmm. When I saw you on the Colbert Variety Hour and you had your cane, I'm like, that was in my Amazon cart. <laughs> I was wondering. That was in the running. My my cane's got an alligator head. It is really, it is a sweet, sweet cane. Yeah. And speaking of social media, you know, I've known you, Joe, for, I think, probably 25 or 26 years. Yeah, since like 97 Yeah, something like that. Somewhere in there. Yeah. I saw, yeah, at, at Patterson's at the open mic. Yeah. And I certainly can't claim to be your best friend in life by any stretch of the imagination. But I've been keeping up with you through social media. I'm not on Facebook, really, and I didn't know that you had been going through this. And something popped up on my feed, and I was just absolutely leveled. And I just really felt for you. And I was also, as I was looking through your profile, I was also so inspired and touched by your shenanigans. I mean, you know, you're full of shenanigans with or without cancer, but it it was still... You know, there was such a genuine appreciation and love for your wife and your family and all of the things that you've been spending time doing. And obviously, Mike the cat. Mike, yeah. I just felt very compelled to reach out and connect. And when I went through my period of time in 2012, I had so much to say, and I had so many thoughts and feelings, and I just wanted to offer any option for you to share your story, your feelings, your thoughts. And again, just very leveled, but very inspired. Thanks for saying that. That is really uh, it's true. nice because your 2012 live set is the funniest stand-up set I've ever heard in my life. Well, you're kind. And I didn't listen to it until yesterday mm-hmm. on purpose because I avoided it when it was happening because I avoid, you know, if I was depressed, I would avoid anything that was going to take me down a couple of notches. Yeah, of course. And I was laughing my face off and it's just so, 
you know, I think when you have it, and especially having gone through with my wife, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, she's taking care of her mom at the same time she's taking care of me and working a full-time job. And I'm like trying to make, well, maybe I'll make art and sell that. Are you selling your um, We're All Famous to a Few People shirts? I do, actually do have, though, on, <laughs> on the very long name of we're all famous to a few people.com. Do you really? I, re- I really do. Because when Kathy got diagnosed, that's how I raised money to help pay the medical bills. Mm. I don't know how many people worldwide bought those shirts, mm-hmm. but yeah, there are a lot of those shirts out in the world. And always a conversation starter, mm-hmm. especially at airports. Some people have wanted to debate me about it. I don't know why but just a shirt man just a shirt and as far as like making these shirts and murals are you feeling creative in general these days are you feeling exceptionally creative i found myself to in that spot when i was going through everything that i went through i was i felt so crazily creative but it was also a real roller coaster that i was on Was it ideas coming in or ideas about stuff you were working on? I think that it was my sense of humor kicked in like on overdrive. And so I was just writing my thoughts and feelings and stories and um, jokes. And I was just, I, 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 not that all of it went anywhere. It just had to get out of my head and, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious where, where you are with creativity, because again, you've done your share of writing and directing and stand up and, and, um, t-shirt making. Yeah, yeah. right. And I'm a, a hyphenate to death. I went from, uh, photographer to installation artist, performance artist, comedian, actor, writer, producing, directing, casting director. Didn't you also direct a thing with me and Martha Kelly? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that. I was running that through my head. The Scott Aukerman project? Yeah, uh, Lake Charles Lake. Lake Charles Lake. That's right. Yeah, I walked in. The first day I was helping, the second day I was the director. I just remember I hadn't done a lot of TV or film at that point, but I remember when you were directing, I was like, oh, wow, Joe knows what he's doing. Holy moly, look at this guy. I worked as a private investigator for 11 years, just telephone, mostly telephone stuff. And I was always lying and I was always somebody I wasn't to get information from lawyers. I think between that and stand-up, I learned how to pretend I was confident Mm. and I was not. (laughs) Because there were a couple of times with Vampire Mob where I had like two fight choreographers, two makeup artists, four actors three camera operators. And the thing I loved about that was everything's my fault, Mm -hmm. but I've dealt with a lot of social anxiety, but there's something about that that I'm so much can go wrong that I'm just so calm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was something about that environment and always ran fun sets. I always brought people on who were fun Mm -hmm. to have on sets and even lack of experience. If you're fun and you can focus Let's go. Is that still going on with you of that need to create, even with all that you're juggling right now? More of my creativity is in the drawing and the painting. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the comedy, I did like, I was writing jokes for the receptionist Mm -hmm. at Oncology. I would have a different reason to check in that didn't have nothing to do with Oncology. So I'd be like, uh, hi, I'm here to adopt an alpaca. Uh huh. And 
She liked that one. <laughs> then, you know, two weeks later, I'd be like, put 20 on Thunderball in the sixth. <laughs> And I'd be I'm here for the couple's massage. And uh, it was one time I was there to audition for Cats. She enjoyed that. And uh, Tanya, who's the nurse who I mostly get in oncology, I told her she's like the bartender in the weirdest bar mm-hmm. that I go to. And I get hammered and my wife has to pick me up and drive me home. And you're the bartender that gets me all messed up on whatever it is you guys are pumping into me. They're dealing with a lot of serious stuff, and yeah. I feel great right now, and I'm, you know, I'm in overtime, so I'm Mr. Jokey Joke, mm-hmm. and they really enjoy Mr. Jokey Joke. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So what would you say in your day-to-day is bringing you joy right now? Definitely, like, hanging out with my wife and mm-hmm. my friend Eric mm-hmm. and Morgan have come from uh, Ohio and L.A. and have spent weeks and weeks hanging out with me here mm-hmm. drawing and i watch birds you have a bird feeder going i got a hummingbird feeder going that's the best i've got an outdoor garden i've an indoor garden there's a lot of gardening going on here first garden was last year and i thought last garden and then i'm like oh i guess i'm gonna be alive again <laughs> all right i'll put in some more tomatoes gotta keep gardening <laughs> yeah gotta so i just yeah i feel this pressure of like you know oh joe's not gardening is he okay <laughs> right. And so when people think of Joe Wilson, (laughs) or what would you want people to think of when they think of Joe Wilson? Wow, that's a good question. Keep me in mind as an option of when you get diagnosed with cancer, of maybe you'll get to beat the clock. And that Joe Wilson guy, he did. And Mm -hmm. maybe I'll make jokes and become the regular at the oncology bar. And (laughs) like at one point, my oncologist looks at me and she's like so joe what do you do and i'm like what do you mean like when you're not here like she's trying to figure out like you're not dead yeah like how come like (laughs) why are you so alive when you have really bad cancer that like can't be operated on they can't touch it it's like bad uh it just doesn't move Mm -hmm. i just don't know why Then, you know, then she'll say things like, when you were first diagnosed, you had 500 tumor markers. You have seven today. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I don't. Again, you know, it's not remission. Mm -hmm. It's just like we're in a staring contest and uh, nobody's blinking. Well, I would say it's it's a good place to be compared to the 500 markers, man. Yeah. I'd take the stare down. Yeah, I'll take the stare down. Mm -hmm. Now. Before we get started with the advice, can you explain to the listeners what exactly Celebrity Air is? Celebrity Air uh, is an idea I came up with my friend, Pamela Dumont, who's a very good uh, writer. Look up her stuff on Amazon. She's written like 30 books. It was at a time when all the crazy eBay stuff was being purchased, pretty much just for publicity. And I'm like, I'm going to get air from both oceans, both Pacific and Atlantic. I'm going to auction off. Or like the kind of air that you would, you know, you open up and smell in the winter and be like, mm-hmm. oh, the ocean. And when I was telling Pam about it, she was like, oh, well, when you go to the Pacific, get it at Malibu because you'll get some celebrity air. And I'm like, oh, celebrity <laughs> air is such a better idea. And then we're cooking it. And then I'm like, premieres. And then I'm finding a premiere. And Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, first time seen in public at the premiere for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and (laughs) I camped out from 7 a.m. to like 12 hours later, whenever it was, and I photographed the jar 
in the foreground. It's a mason jar as they walked by. I remember seeing that. Yes, and then put it online, and it just... It was on The Tonight Show. Did you sell Hollywood. it? Yeah. Now, this is the crazy thing. It, it, this is so crazy. I did write a one-man show about this. Well, like of a course. short one, but just it was hate mail and mm-hmm. eBay. eBay didn't want it on the site because it got to $99 million. <laughs> and they were afraid that the place was just going to get flooded. So it was a battle between me and eBay. And finally got down to there finding every reason to get rid of it. And they said that me using the word error was keyword spamming because you can't sell air. Mm. So even having air in the description. So I was selling it as the celebrity jar so nobody could find it. And Golden Palace Casino got in contact with me. They said, I'll give you $25,000 for it, but it has to be on eBay. So people couldn't find it anymore. Because every time I put it back on, it would zip to like over 100K in like minutes. That is insane. I was doing morning radio all over the country, (laughs) Australia. I've seen it in so many other languages. I saw it in an article that was posted like two months ago. Like it still bounces because it's such a ridiculously stupid idea. <laughs> it was a point in time when celebrities were a much bigger deal and that sort mm-hmm. of like isn't the case. You know, there's so many famous people now. Yeah, there sure are. There are very few superstars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so gossipy. That is so, so funny. Now it's time, Joe, to help the Don't Ask Tig listeners out there. Are you ready to dole out some advice? I have lots of bad advice. Let's do it. Like I said at the top, you're a coffee enthusiast. That is true. So hopefully that comes in handy for this first question. Autumn writes, Hey, Tig, my boyfriend is almost 40 and he's never tried coffee in his entire life. (laughs) I wish you could see Joe's face. I plan to introduce him for the first time, but what kind of coffee would be the perfect kind to have him try? Please include any special prep, add-ins, etc. Spare no details. Are you just a straight black coffee guy, Joe? This is going to really sound weird, but this morning I had eggnog in my coffee, as I have since December. Oh. Almost every day. Well, Merry Christmas. I know. There's a company here called Stewart's. They make eggnog year-round. Mm. Don't do that. <laughs> I definitely would start them with black, uh-huh. just because I think you should know what the flavor You're a purist. It's like you should ski before you snowboard. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. Um And then having the options of a cream Mm -hmm. nearby, of a sugar nearby, and then sort of like, let them take a few sips of it black. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's a horrible experience, you know, maybe put a little 2%, have the half and half on deck, and sort of cut it from there. And I would go with a better brand of coffee. Yeah, start high-end. Yes, do not have something that you got in in a can. You might appreciate this story with your love of coffee and cats. I'm always astounded by how much non-dairy cream. My wife, Stephanie, puts in her coffee. I'm always, my jaw is on the ground. And one day, our cat walked up, sniffed her coffee, turned around, and started trying to cover it up with her paws, <laughs> like she was in a kitty litter box. Fake berry. And I was like, oh my gosh, Fluff knows that this is bad too. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I think start out high-end black coffee. I'm personally a big Cortado fan. 
And so that's what I do. I'm a decaf oat milk cortado gal. Essentially, cortado is espresso and then the same amount, I believe, of milk as the shot. So I get a double decaf oat milk cortado. If anybody out there cares, and my sons both know my coffee order, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Well, my son Finn was like, I don't, what is your, uh, what, what's your coffee order? Is it a cortado? And it's so cute to see decaf oat milk cortado come out of his six-year-old mouth. So your children have been turned into interns? <laughs> That's that right. <laughs> oh my gosh, their whole life will be interns. They're our roommates, as far as I'm concerned. That's why I look at Mike. He's a horrible roommate. Yeah. He poops in a box. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you're lucky it makes it in the box. So, Autumn, Joe knows is Joe, and that's our advice. Joe, we're going to stop for a quick break, and then we'll be back with more listener questions. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Way basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Way with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rowe, Roland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. Joe, this next question is from a listener in Utah. Bob writes, I have no idea how to carry a conversation with a woman I'm romantically interested in. After a few sentences about the weather, how do I proceed? I don't follow professional sports. My TV stopped working when broadcasts became digital and movie theaters are loud. Men in my age range are expected to make any first move. Women's equality came much too late. Well... First of all, Bob, I cannot express enough how much you should not lead with talk about the weather, okay? And look, we all know you're not my type, Bob. I don't even have to see a picture of you. You're not my type. I'm certain I'm not your type. If you or anyone came up to talk about the weather, they better be doing it with a smirk on their face. And telling me that they're not really coming up to talk about the weather, unless the weather is exceptional, which then brings me to, I actually really love weather and think all weather is exceptional. So this is why the show is called Don't Ask Tig. Joe, what do you feel? Wow. I am, (laughs) as I would say back in the day, when it came to women, I have no game whatsoever. You must have some game. You, You scored a phenomenal spouse. Well... Way out of my league, was told that by multiple coworkers at the restaurants where we were 
like, don't embarrass yourself, Joe. It's very cringy for everyone involved. <laughs> and so I talked to her. She had a boyfriend. I talked to her for nine months. She went to art school and I was working on some stuff. And I had gone to art school in totally different media. And we just kept talking and that led to, oh, I made a mixtape. Mm, of course. When you got actual cassette. And I put a Chet Baker song in the middle of the second side called Imagination. Mm. And it's pretty much, I can't imagine you would like me. And she played it for friends and they were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, I was just walking around the whole time going, this is going to end any minute. Like 30 something years later, still going, still out of my league. Wow. So I think the key is to make a mixed tape. It is, which must be hard now. It would be even more charming if you were walking around, Bob, with a mixed tape in this day and age, ready to go. If you met somebody that was of interest to you, you can just say, hey, by the way, I made you a mixed tape. Come on. Bob, even though you're, you're not my type, I would be all over you. I would be like, this guy is hilarious. Okay. I don't have a cassette player. I don't know how to play it. And then you know what you say? You say, well, well, you know what? We'll figure it out together. We'll figure out how to play this. <laughs> My real advice would be, if you have an interest, find people who have that interest. Be around people who have that interest. Talk to people who have that interest. And you may run into someone who you like mm -hmm. because of that interest, the conversational pressure is less and the weather will not be needed at all. Mm -hmm. And be genuine. No game conversation. Like, really talk about what you're really doing and what you're really interested in. And that's my other advice. I'm all for it. Bob, here's hoping you can strike up a conversation that leads you to love. Joe, this last question is from a listener who asks that we refrain from laughing at her name. Fanny writes, I've been thinking about changing my name for a long time. It's French. I'm from Montreal. But its English translation has a very bad connotation that has put me in uncomfortable situations over the years. Every time I meet an English-speaking person, I feel ashamed to introduce myself and even use fake names sometimes to avoid the awkwardness of being laughed at. I've been meaning to start using my middle name, but I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I'm considering it more and more as I'm planning to move to New Zealand, and I would really like to feel good about saying my name out loud. What should I do? I just, right out of the gate, I say ditch it, Fanny, because it doesn't seem like this is going anywhere. It's not going to go away. And people that are close to you and know you for years, they know you as Fanny and they'll call you that and there's not going to be any laughter. But I am all for embracing who you are and what you're about. I had a weird name my whole life. Everybody thinks this is my stage name and it's not. Uh, Joe, do you have any feelings? Um, I can understand that. Uh -huh. I can understand wanting to change it and being sort of exhausted by the low-end comedy that it produces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you're not going to be, you know, game with sort of yes-ending the response to your name and sort of making fun of them, making fun of you or laughing at you or making more fun of your name than they can get to. Yeah. But changing it would be the, uh, you know, 
might get you what you want and might be kind of interesting to start life somewhere where you are never fanny. Yeah, I mean, you have the perfect chance. You have a whole new beginning coming your way, your life in New Zealand. You could be, well, I don't know what your name would be, Fanny, but if you need me to name that thing and give you a new name, feel free to reach out. Don't go with Karen. Don't, yeah, Karen. Could be problematic, just saying. Poor Karens. Innocent Karens out there, I feel for you. Joe, there's one more thing before we say goodbye for today. This segment is simply called Best Advice, Worst Advice. What is the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, my friend, uh, late great friend Marnie Cardozo, um, it's a question everybody asks, but she asked what if a lot, just pointing that question at stuff. And I think it really opens up possibilities, I think, both with ideas and things you can do with your life and your art or your lack of art or you want to make something or do something or whatever. Like sometimes the uncomfortable things for you personally, also can be like the most gratifying, great memories. Mm -hmm. So don't avoid that, but point some what ifs at your own life. And what if I do this? What's going to happen? And, and I'm really glad I did with all the stuff I did in LA. It did not work out, did not go the way I thought it was going to go. It was going really good there for a while, and then it wasn't so good. And then it was well, really good. Not so much. Um, but hell of a ride. And I met a billion people and cool people like you. And probably never would have laughed as much in L.A. Per and I just cried as much as in L.A. But it is a city built for that. Mm -hmm. That's why the sunshine and the palm trees are there. That's right. Now, what's the worst advice you've ever received? Um, oh, my mother would say, have you applied at NBC? Have you like gone down, <laughs> filled out an application? <laughs> Be sure to check off the part if you're not hiring now, keep this on file. <laughs> That's the worst advice. <laughs> then again, I didn't do it and things didn't work out. So maybe <laughs> I should have. <laughs> I'll never know. I'm just the guy who sold some air. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty impressive and very, very funny. And also... I feel like everyone's parent suggests similar things when their kid is in Los Angeles. Like, you know what you should do? You should host SNL. You know what you should do? <laughs> <laughs> you should get your own TV show. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, I don't know how it works, but that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, mm -hmm. Yep. I'll do that. Yep. As soon as I get off the phone. Joe Wilson. Thank you again for spending this time with me and my listeners. I was very much looking forward to seeing you and connecting. And I am as with you as I can be from where I am and where you are. And are, are you familiar with Ram Das? I know the name, and that's probably it. Well, he said this thing of how we're all just walking each other home in life. And I love that so much. That's a great idea. Because it's like, when I'm down, when you're down, when a stranger, an old friend, your spouse, you just want to help people get through this experience 
in the most pleasant way that you can. And I just think about it all the time of, I want to help people. I want people to help me in that journey of walking each other home. And that means basically through this life and through this world. And I was very called to reach out to you. Well, A, thank you. And thanks for that idea. That's a really cool idea. I had not heard that take on it. Yeah, it's without your help and a lot of other people's help, this would be a a lot less fun and a lot more stressful. And again, you know, the people that I have known for some for over a decade um, online, well over a decade, uh, or I call online neighbors because... Mm -hmm. Like, we're not really friends. We're kind of friends. Some I'm really friends with. And some I'm just like, hey, you know, we see each other when the feed says, here's some. Yeah. And that's a nice feeling to sort of have in my head. Yeah. When I'm going through all this crap, I know there's a bunch of people who are rooting for me. And I think making fun of the whole thing is the only way to do it. Well, I'm for sure rooting for you, and I'm certain that my listeners will be as well. And if there's anything you want to say before we uh, head out for the day, feel free. Here's the moment to promote or or say anything. Um, I would suggest feeling—I keep saying I feel lucky, and I think that being positive about stuff, all that can get really— cringy after a while, Mm -hmm. especially with dudes, guys who are not like, I'm not positive and positivity and blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of syllables. Feel lucky about something. It takes three seconds. You can keep going and it just bends your brain a little bit to see how great things are for you, even when stuff is horrible. Mm -hmm. There's still some, you know, you have a great cat you can cry into. Yay! <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a start. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that, and and sometimes just feeling lucky about like just that little bit of whatever chemically happens in your brain. Yeah, do that because it's it's really quick, and you don't have to meditate. It's not a practice. It's just uh, when you're stuck in traffic, when you're in a line at the grocery store, or whatever. Don't look at your phone. Just feel lucky about something for five seconds. I've upped it to five already. I know it's a lot of time in your day, but it's a couple of TikToks. I'm all for it. <laughs> and if you would like to follow my cancer shenanigans on the Instagram or Facebook, I am Joe Wilson TV on both. And if you'd like to share our GoFundMe or donate, we'd appreciate it. It is tinyurl.com slash M as in mother Z. Uh, that's all our initials. And uh, thank you for that. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you so much again. I'll hope to see you soon. Yes. Thank you. And maybe you've forgotten, so let me remind you once more that I'm still doing shows live and in person. And you're probably thinking, oh, she's never going to come to my town. My town's too small. Or, oh, she came to a city nearby me already. Well, guess what? Why don't you listen to where I'm going to be? Because I bet there's some place nearby. Jacksonville, Oregon, July 21st. Eugene, Oregon, July 22nd. Bellingham, Washington, September 8th. Olympia, Washington, September 9th. Torrington, Connecticut, September 15th. Rochester, New York, September 16th. Wilmington, Delaware, September 17th. Colorado Springs, September 25th. Breckenridge, Colorado, September 28th. Boulder, Colorado, September 29th. 
And then I'm doing a huge European tour in October. Look at my website for all of the information, ticket information, everything's there. Make sure you get tickets for my next stand-up special taping in Brooklyn, New York, November 4th at King's Theater. There's an early and late show. Go to tignotaro.com for all show links and ticket information. See you there. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Ouellette and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson, Derek Ramirez, Josh Savageo, and Evan Clark. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool.